0: Would you like to have a conversation about? I'd like to have a conversation about Ex Machina. Hello, I am Professor Robert E. G. Black, and this is Minutia Ex Machina. With me today is filmmaker and occasional podcaster, Luke Allen. Hello. I'm really happy to be here. This is
1: since you talked about the idea of doing this show. I can't remember how long ago it was. I, I was like, I I so have to be on this. So it's
0: it's good to be on this. Really happy to be here. But right before we started, he's like, minute fours are boring. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, yes, there's nothing that happens this week. Next week is almost worse.
1: Uh, I'll, I'll say this now: Ex Machina is a film which actually, since you announced that you were doing this, I think, because you mentioned this like yeah, I mentioned a, year on a bit ago. Show. Since that. Ex Machina popped up on my spec for the A-level course I'm doing. I don't know what the equivalent is in America, because I'm assuming A-levels isn't a thing.
0: Wait, you're past what we'd call high school, but not to what we'd call like university, I think. So you're like yeah. a junior college equivalent, maybe?
1: Maybe, short... yeah. So it's like 16 to 18.
0: Okay, that age, we're still in high school generally.
1: Well, that age, what we're studying is Ex Machina, Yeah. Uh, as one of our many texts. And so I have many a resource ready to go. but. For minute four, in these lovely annotated versions of the entire film, there was one note. And so it was like, even my film teacher doesn't think there's much worth talking about in minute four. And it's probably not great to start a podcast by saying there's not much worth talking about.
0: No, it's certainly fair because we got to have a theme for the week. We'll figure it out as we go. Last week, Nate and I ended up talking about people dying, weirdly enough. (laughs) Just happened in each episode. We ended up talking about someone who died. Okay. I do have a note before we get into minute four because I forgot it last week. I forgot to look at the script when I was making my notes last week because we start with Caleb alone in the field still here, Yeah. but there's actually a moment earlier in the script where Caleb wakes abruptly to find himself in the front seat of a helicopter. Yeah. The pilot, Jay, is a man in his 40s outside the windows, mountain landscape, you know, we got that. Caleb says, how long was I out? Jay says, you fell asleep almost as soon as we left the airport. Caleb looks around, wipes sleep out of his eyes, gets his bearings. Caleb, damn, can't believe I've been missing this. I was so psyched to be coming here. I was awake all night. And we can start with this. I think that sounds like he's programmed. (laughs) Something about the way he says, like, I was so psyched to come here. I was awake all night. I'm playing Skyrim again a lot lately because I got a PlayStation. And it sounds like one of those pre-programmed lines you just hear a character say, it's like trying to wrap them up in a sentence. Yeah. And I've said, I think the movie wants us to think he's an AI, but I think especially, I think Donald Gleason wants us to think that Caleb is AI.
1: Yeah. I mean, one thing which I think I love about this film is I find the more times you watch it, the more questions seem to arise that you think about about what it means to be human which I, I realize I've just said what every single person has probably said about this movie, but it's, it is so fascinating that, that yeah, it's all because, because it's such a significant plot point, obviously, but I, I don't think when I saw Rex Machina for the very first time, I was thinking about Caleb being AI or like debating that concept. Oh well, no. But then when I saw this for the first time, I also watched it on my phone on a long road trip, which is probably not prime viewing conditions for this film.
0: Yeah. My thing with that also, and I've said this, probably i'm gonna say this like every episode every time i have this conversation with someone is i think in the end the point of the movie is that it doesn't matter whether he's ai yeah it it affects that end scene specifically because how long is he gonna last alive in that room Mm. but otherwise i think the point is we're all programmed by stuff yeah whether it's by each other or like society's rules or books or whatever
1: yeah, well, it's like that conversation he had later on about sexuality. Yeah. And it was, and they saw like you were programmed like that. And it, and it, you know, and he's like, was I?
2: Did you give her sexuality as a diversion tactic? I don't follow. Like a stage magician with a hot assistant. So a hot robot who clouds your ability to judge your AI? Exactly. So, did you program her to flirt with me? If I did, would that be cheating? Wouldn't it? Caleb, what's your type? Of girl? No, of salad dressing. Yeah, of girl. What's your type of girl? You know what? Don't even answer that. Let's say it's black chicks, okay? That's your thing. For the sake of argument, that's your thing, okay? Why is that your thing? Because you did a detailed analysis of all racial types and you cross-referenced that analysis with a points-based system? No! You're just attracted to black chicks a consequence of accumulated external stimuli that you probably didn't even register as they registered with you. Did you program her to like me or not? I programmed her to be heterosexual, just like you were programmed to be heterosexual. Nobody programmed me to be straight. You decided to be straight? Please, of course you were programmed by nature or nurture or both. And to be honest, Caleb, you're starting to annoy me now because this is your insecurity talking. This is not your intellect. And it does throw that whole nature versus nurture thing in,
1: but also I was thinking more about it, and I was, I, I think from from any perspective, the, the the concept of programmed sort of fits in. As you said, either by nature or from a religious perspective, you believe in a creator. Then it's once again it's kind of you, right. I mean, obviously the free will comes into it as well, but the, the idea of being programmed and bits you're like this or you're not like that. I,
3: yeah,
0: it's, but but even then, generally speaking, if you believe, I mean, in modern religions. You tend to believe in like there's a god that tells you how to be, but then there's also specific influences on how to drift away from that, yes. like the devil and yeah. demons and everything else. And so even that is just a, it's like two different programmers trying to compete.
3: Yeah,
1: the film throws up such a fantastic conversation, which I don't think, at least when this first when this film first came out, or when I was first aware of it, I wasn't expecting it to be quite as intellectually engaging as it was.
3: Hmm.
1: I mean, it definitely. I it, this is so weird to to describe, but I think it ha- it genuinely had a pretty big reputation as being a sci-fi film with a large amount of nudity in it. Yeah, that was kind of the conversation that I remember hearing around it a lot. And when I first was gonna like mention that I'd seen it or that I was gonna watch it, I'm pretty sure my dad was kind of like, "Isn't that the one that's got loads of nudity in it?" <laughs> and it's like, but it's it's different. It's like, because for that reason, it's not a film that my parents sat down and watched, and I, I think some people probably were turned away from it for that reason. But once again, even the even the nudity brings up an interesting conversation about male gaze or lack thereof. Oh yeah. The concept of voyeurism, and it's there, there is so much to it. I've seen a fair few comparisons between Ex Machina and Species. Yeah. But I, I don't think Species throws up quite as many intellectual questions but it does deal with the similar sort of themes.
0: Similar themes, but that's done in more of a action 90s sci-fi, and that is where a lot of the nudity is, yeah. specifically sexual and gratuitous. Mm. Here, I think it serves a purpose every time.
1: Well, was it... Was this it is, uh, I, I, there's a conversation which I definitely had recently, and since I recorded with you on something else last week, yeah, I'm wondering, did we talk about Ex Machina last week?
0: I don't think we talked about it in the recording, but I think it came up, yeah.
1: Because it uh, I, there was the conversation surrounding the nudity, I think. Mm-hmm. So either I have this view or someone else. I think it was with you. About the idea that that scene where she's putting on the dress. Yeah. And then she's getting changed. That feels more like voyeurism. Yes. More like you're watching what you shouldn't be seeing. Uh-huh. Than that moment where there is literal full frontal nudity.
0: Yeah. The scene of her getting dressed in a dress is filmed like you would film someone taking off clothes. Yeah. And it's filmed with more of the apprehension of interaction with a male in the scene. And, and it's interesting because it also, while filmed that way, I also, when I wrote about it in my blog, groundhogdayproject.com, I talked about as well, the end of that scene, she doesn't seem like a date for Nathan. She seems almost more like a daughter who wants his approval.
1: Okay. I've
0: not, is not. it not which is a weird juxtaposition yeah. with the scene that comes before it, but it also is a whole way the movie works. And that's part of why the nudity is almost never sexualized in the film, is because there isn't this idea that it's going to be sexual interaction. And I think it's partly the way Donald plays Caleb.
1: Yeah, but I also think the concept whether nudity is by default sexual is also a debate that the film throws up because it has the idea of as soon as he describes the fact that she has a female form it was you know why did you sexualize her and it turns into a conversation where nathan assumes he was asking could i have sex with her yeah whether we believe caleb was asking that or not
0: i don't think he was but i think nathan thought he was yeah which is about nathan
1: I think Caleb probably wondered it. Maybe. I, I don't think it was more than a passing thought. But once again, that, I think that brings up the concept that for those features that form to be present, is that by default sexualization? Which is a, is a question.
0: Outside the recording last week for the other thing, I think you looked up the ratings thing. Yeah. And theirs doesn't list nudity, right? No. As a reason for the R or the yeah, 18, 15. 15. Yeah. I'm thinking. Because I'm mixing it's... up your ratings and ours.
1: Yeah, which I definitely think is something to delve into, because that is, to anyone who hasn't heard me on podcasts before, age ratings is my thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like talking about age ratings. I'm especially excited about age ratings today, because I submitted reduced to Clear to be age rated today. The whole process is fascinating to me. But yeah, I will just double check the BBFC page, but I believe it's language, violence and maybe sex references... It is strong language, bloody violence, and sex references.
0: Whereas here, according to him, to be at least, rated R for graphic nudity, language, sexual references, and some violence. See, we don't care about the violence. It's some violence. It's barely there. I think, really, that only got in the reference because of the close-up on the stabbing. You see the knife go in, and that's the kind of thing that the ratings board doesn't like.
1: Yeah, I was thinking the whole bit where Caleb cuts himself.
0: That too, yeah. Yeah, you see the cutting.
1: Is that mentioned? Yeah, deliberate act of self-injury is listed on the... So the the BBFC website, bbfc.co.uk, gives ratings info for a lot of their stuff. Not all of their stuff, but the, the, the vast majority of recent films and TV shows will have detailed ratings info. So for language, there are over 20 uses of strong language. For violence, there's a scene of strong violence featuring heavy blows with a metal object and stabbings resulting in bloodshed. There's also a sequence in which a character performs deliberate act of self-injury. And then in sex, there are strong sex references during a discussion about whether humans and androids can have an intimate relationship. And it does then say there are also images of female nudity, as like a
0: little side right. in the sex section. Whereas but ours refers done. to it as graphic nudity because there are women with no clothes at all. Yeah. We put an extra word on that. If you can see genitals, we like, that's a whole other level. Or prudes. I've heard strong nudity
1: as a thing before
0: that used to be what they called it i forget when they turned it to graphic but it became a specific label if you see graphic nudity it means you're going to see genitals
1: if you give me 20 seconds i think i've got a book about that about the age ratings uh, <laughs> yes there. i
0: think this might be our theme for the week is ratings so go for it i'm gonna check
3: <laughs> okay so one book which i do have somewhere i can't find but the other one this was
0: 2019's BBFC classification guidelines. They published that, or you asked for it from them?
1: I asked for it from them. Nice. <laughs> well, sort of. I asked them for stuff.
0: It's cool that they have it in a book form, though.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm imagining like when they go to film events, because they're pretty present in like film events. I imagine they might have like a stall where people come and ask them questions, and they hand these out.
0: There's a whole documentary about how the MPAA does not have guidelines.
1: I've seen it. I think
0: and it's it's kind of problematic because essentially the the conclusions are that big studios are going to have less of a problem getting things through the ratings board.
1: Yeah, so that that, that was this film's not yet rated, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I mean it's very very dated now I think because yeah. it's like late 90s early 2000s but yeah, I've got I've got the DVD of that, which of course is rated. Yes. Which defeats <laughs> a little point of the title but is rated 18 in the UK. So maybe I'll pretend I haven't seen that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what
0: we have. Does 18 mean you, can your parents take you to an 18? No. Okay, I couldn't remember. Oh, no, I think I knew that. When we were in England, we went to see Ghost, and it was rated 12, and I was 11, I think it was. Yeah. And it was like, can we get into, or we were going to see something else. We ended up seeing Ghost. And I think they actually just let us in because they realized we were Americans. Like, whatever.
1: <laughs> it's interesting because since then, 12A has been introduced, which is basically PG-13, which oh, does God. allow that. But at the 15 and 18 categories, that isn't allowed. Mm. And on home video, 12 is just 12 and you have to be 12 to buy it. Yeah. And 15 and 18 is the same. Whereas pretty certain there aren't any like laws against watching something that's, you know, on DVD within your own home that's a different age range. But obviously to buy it, if I were to go into a shop and buy an 18, then it's as much as like buying alcohol and the fact that they would be prosecuted for selling it to me. Right. Here we go. The nudity section. Nudity with no sexual context is in principle acceptable at all classification levels, but will not genuinely occur more than occasionally at you, you being your G. Hmm. Nudity with sexual context will receive a higher classification Where the principal purpose of depicting nudity is to sexually arouse, it will usually only be passed in the adult categories 18 or R18. R18 is specifically pornography.
0: Does your U stand for unrated? Universal. Oh, okay. For a second, I thought it was unrated, and I'm like, that could be problematic with a mix between yours and ours. Because unrated would be the opposite here. It's like, it means they didn't even bother putting it to a ratings board, or they didn't accept the rating because it was so bad.
1: Here we go. So 15, which is what this has got. Oh, that's annoying, because I was going to say Eternal Sunshine also has a 15. Otherwise, this if it was a different rating, we'd have we'd, we'd had new information for each one. <laughs> At least we got Groundhog Day. Yeah. 15. No one younger than 15 may see a 15 film in a cinema, and no one younger 18 may rent or buy a 15 rated video work. Dangerous behavior is the first category. Dangerous behavior, for example, suicide, self-harming, and asphyxiation.
0: Which this Should sounds.
1: not dwell on detail which should be copied, whether the depiction of easily accessible weapons is acceptable, will depend on factors such as realism, context, and setting. Discrimination. The work as a whole must not endorse discriminatory language or behaviour, although there may be racist, homophobic, or other discriminatory themes and language. Drug taking may be shown, but the work as a whole must not promote or encourage drug misuse. Hmm. For example, through detailed instruction, the misuse of easily accessible and highly dangerous substance, for example, holes or solvents, is unlikely to be acceptable.
0: The rating for this didn't mention the alcohol, did it?
1: No. Huh. There may be strong language, very strong language may be permitted depending on the manner in which it's used, who is using the language, its frequency within the work as a whole, and any special contextual justification. I think our concepts of strong language and very strong language are the same, right?
0: No, they probably are. Yeah. I think UK was more permitting of what we would call strong language before we were. Yeah. Now on, like, basic cable channels, you'll get swearing, uh, even at, like, 8 o'clock shows, so.
1: Yeah, so, like, strong language is a certain term beginning with F. That's, that's your strong yeah. language. Then very strong language is C.
0: Whereas back in the 90s when NYPD Blue premiered, it was a big deal that they said, bitch. Hey, Miss District Attorney, you really prosecuted a
2: crap out of that one. I went with the crap I had, detective. Whoa, you think that was a Hummer bust, huh? You saying I queered that guy's fire? I'd say race ipsa loquitur" if I thought you knew what it meant. Hey, ipsa this, you pissy little bitch.
1: <laughs> Whereas I think that's that's mild or very mild. I was, it might be, it might be, yeah, it might be mild or very mild.
0: Now you get that in a sitcom. <laughs> and then we,
1: moderate is confusing because I don't know what balances between mild and moderate because they're both acceptable at the same categories, so I don't know where they're different. <laughs> Nudity. There are no constraints on nudity in a non-sexual or educational context. Hmm. Sexual nudity may be permitted, but strong detail is likely to be brief or presented in a comic context.
0: I wonder if ours has that kind of standard, because it's become a thing in like the last decade for sort of raunchy comedies to show a penis. Yes. And I think it's because they can get away with it because it's comedy. And so they just they'll do it. Hmm. Actually, more than a decade. I think it started with, like, scary movie. Really? Yeah.
1: Well, my, my go-to would be Sarah Marshall.
0: I mean, it definitely yes. happened there, yeah. But I think it's it was kind of drifting from, like, the early 2000s. But in the last decade, it's been, like, if there's a comedy that's male-centric, you're going to see someone's penis.
3: You, it's yeah.
0: a, a given.
1: You go British. We had Life of Brian in 1979. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, which did male and female nudity and is now 12A, <laughs> which is, I find weird. And I think were it to be a newly released film, it would probably be a 15. Right. But they kind of know that the few people who are aged around 12 and up that are going to see it are going to be those who appreciate the type of comedy. Yeah,
0: otherwise they'd just so it, not watch
1: yeah. it. Sexual activity may be portrayed, but usually without strong detail. There may be strong verbal references to sexual behavior, repeated very strong references. Particularly those using pornographic language. I have no idea what that means.
0: Pornographic language means, um, am I bleeping it? No, not on this show. It means they use words like or
3: or okay. like
0: specific slang for terms. I assume might even be if they reference like vagina in this country. If they're not talking about education, mm. people are going to have a problem. Okay. In this, he doesn't use specific language. He's like, there's a group of cells. Yeah, the headset. She could, and she'd enjoy it.
1: So yeah, those using pornographic language are unlikely to be acceptable. That's weird. That doesn't seem right. It must be stronger terms, then. Works whose primary purpose is sexual arousal are unacceptable.
0: I think I will have to bleep those, because it'll be funnier. (laughs)
1: That's true. (laughs) Sexual violence and sexual threat. There may be strong verbal references to sexual violence, but any Hmm. depiction of the stronger forms of sexual violence, including rape, must not be detailed or prolonged. A strong and sustained focus on sexual threat is unacceptable, which I think I heard is the reason that Last Night at Soho is rated 18 here.
0: Huh?
1: I'm looking into it because I cannot see Last Night at Soho. I haven't seen
0: it. It's only in theaters and I still am not going to theaters on it.
1: It was a film that I really wanted to see. I have the cinema card and all the likes now. And then it was like, and now I'm five months too young. <laughs>
0: Well, by the time you're old enough, it'll be streaming. (laughs) Yeah,
1: there was a lot of conversation, I'm sure, about that it was going to get a 15. And (laughs) then it suddenly came out with an 18. It was like, ooh. And then they also thought is, I could probably get away with sneaking in. But also, if I've lasted up to five months before turning 18 without ever having done that, then it seems a bit silly to do it now. Or
0: maybe now's the time to do it. (laughs) You got to sneak into something.
1: I also feel like my cinema account probably has my age on it somewhere. <laughs> if they, like, if I go to book the ticket.
0: Well, yeah, it probably has your birthday. Yeah. Horrors on things like that. They give us a, like a free ticket for your birthday. And one of them I was uh, on did that. I don't
1: know. Well, my cinema account is just like you pay a certain amount a month and you can see as many as you yeah. like. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I have that. And now I probably might as well just pay for one ticket a month because I'm not going very often. <laughs> threatened horror. There may be strong and horror. A sustained focus on sadistic threat is unlikely to be acceptable. And violence. Violence may be strong, but should not dwell on the infliction of pain or injury. The Strongest gory images are unlikely to be acceptable. Strong sadistic violence is also unlikely to be acceptable. Hmm. So that's the 15 as of 2019. They've probably changed some stuff since then. But yeah, that's according to their classification guidelines, which I assume I'm allowed to just read out on the show. There's not some sort of... I don't care.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm good. If podcatchers start doing algorithm checks and policing language, my shows are all screwed anyway.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that, that, yeah, it would be very odd if that were to be the case. And I (laughs) think this is also referencing in the context of review.
0: Right. We're also reviewing, yeah, what do they think? Why is this rated the way it is? Like, and it would make sense then him cutting his arm and like he sticks his finger in the wound to like look. Yeah. And then between that and the like slow stabbing at the end and, yeah it's going to be getting marked for violence
1: yeah i mean the interesting thing is it was like a a fairly big discussion in one of my film classes about how this got classified Mm. and for me this isn't a difficult bbfc decision as far as i'm aware like there's nothing in that where i'd go oh i don't know if that should be a 15 or an 18 or all that's on the edge it felt like a it's just a 15 so i don't know why that was specifically the one that we had to talk about i guess maybe the nudity. As to whether it was important or not, but either way, it doesn't really make a difference.
0: It was also a film you were focusing on in a lot of detail, so it's worth talking about in that context.
1: We haven't discussed some of the other films we've watched and how (laughs) they were classified, which is interesting. Coming up in a few couple of months, we've got Etu Mama Beyond, so that'll be interesting. I'm sure censorship will come up with that. I've not seen it, but I am aware of it. I think I'm going to wait until I'm as close to 18 as as I can because it's one of them, is it not?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I saw it when it was new, so I don't know. It's been a while.
1: It's it's probably like nothing now, but I know that when it came out, it was like a big scandalous deal. exactly. And my teacher has joked that she just finds it very funny watching it in a class full of teenagers. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. I hope that the concept of censorship comes up there. The one that interests me that hasn't come up is ET, which is one of the ones we study in class, is rated U, yeah. suitable for all. And yet it does have a use of mild bad language.
0: Only once, though, right?
1: Yeah, but it, that's weird that it's not PG, though. It's only the one. But I remember I was watching it, like, I'd seen it before, but it was the first time I'd watched it like, acknowledging the age rating. And I was like, yeah. class and they said it, and I was like, what?
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's
1: so strange the same word that does also feature in reduced to Clear that i've taken 3bfc so i'm expecting a pg but maybe
0: i'll come back with a u
1: <laughs> who knows
0: context yeah it matters
1: i guess being an 80s film maybe not but i wouldn't be surprised if some parents get a bit surprised when they sit their kid down to watch et and
0: eh, i doubt it now i mean at the time maybe some did yeah mine wouldn't have cared because i was watching much worse also mm. so i'd probably already seen halloween at that point so
1: so our minute is just uh, walking. Oh
0: walking yeah. up to a building. In the script, by the way, it is specifically Alaska okay. where Caleb has gone, though it was filmed in Norway. We cut from Caleb alone in the field to Caleb walking on a sort of overgrown path through the woods, coming to a river. He's dragging his wheeled suitcase behind him. He checks his phone, which is Blue Book brand, which we'll find out later is Nathan's brand. It has no signal. He looks up and we see a POV shot of the house, barely visible. For locations, this is looking east across the, I hope I'm pronouncing these things correctly, Valladolid River. The building is Juvet Landscape Hotel in Alstad, Valladolid, Norway. The cost per night is roughly 114 pounds, $175, which is pretty good for this place. There's actually multiple buildings all clustered together, and you can get these little tiny buildings for a little bit more money where you have your own little space, but they're very small because this is meant to be an experience, the outdoors kind of place, which is why there'll be lots of glass later.
1: So I have also prepared notes, what the only piece of information I could find from all of my revision notes in film class that relates to this scene. Okay. The glacial remote setting emphasized by the helicopter journey establishes Mm -hmm. Nathan's wealth and power for the spectator. Yeah. Furthermore, it creates a sense of someone who's isolated himself from society. The house hidden on the landscape adds to the notion that Nathan likes to be secluded. Caleb is only permitted access once he's been approved by the house's computerized security system. The house itself is a contemporary, luxurious, spacious residence made with a variety of expensive materials glass, marble, metal, and wood.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Before Caleb meets Nathan properly, the spectator is given enough information through the use of micro features to understand that Nathan is a tech genius billionaire, similar to real world figures such as Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, and Elon Musk. Donald Leeson's performance in encountering these settings is one of wonder and confusion.
0: Back to the minute, I would point out there is a road about 500 feet to the south, which is to the right on this POV angle. And it's a big road. <laughs> like this isn't an isolated location, which is funny because it looks like it. And then we get a reverse of Caleb. I actually couldn't find the name of the mountain that's behind him, but it is the correct angle for the last shot, which I will point out is weird for Alex Garland to get an accurate reverse angle. <laughs> And then we're behind Caleb as he approaches the building, looks past it, and there's another section down the hill. And then he gets interrupted by an electronic voice saying, Caleb Smith.
1: It's an interesting introduction, but I will say it's kind of, I'm just kind of not bothered. <laughs> like, I, I I'd probably put, if I put Ex Machina on, the first five, ten minutes, I'm probably kind of not really caring. I might have one in the background, and then I'll be hooked in from kind of Ava session
3: one.
0: It's going to get really exciting for me in about two, three minutes once Nathan's on screen. When we get to that shot of Nathan's outside working out and we're looking through the glass and we get into that start of that aquarium sort of motif. Mm. I did an entire YouTube video just on that, what, 20 seconds of that scene? Oh, wow. So I'm going to have some fun. Was
1: that before you were doing MXM? M?
0: Yes. That was when I was doing movie reviews on YouTube.
1: You, you, were, you were fully prepared to delve into MXM. Like you've done Groundhog Day Project. Oh, yeah. You've done deep, in-depth movie to reviews.
0: Exactly. So then I love that he answers before he approaches. Like he doesn't know what's happening. So just yes. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that console doesn't look like much. It doesn't have buttons. It's just a little thing that sticks out. It says, please approach the console and face the screen, which he does. And we have an angle on him as he leans in and squints because he's trying to figure out what he's looking at. Then an over-the-shoulder shot as one panel is lit up and another one flashes like a camera. This minute ends with a shot from the side as he reacts because he didn't really expect it to take his picture right then.
1: That's all my comments for this minute, I think.
0: That's fair, you had a lot.
1: Be ready for the other two shows when I've got diddly squat.
0: (laughs) When you got nothing. Yeah. Now, where else can people hear you having nothing? (laughs) <laughs> um, or find your movies. going
1: to say they can hear me having nothing on the show that's on hiatus. Yeah. But uh, I think my go-to plug at the moment will be yeah. to check out all the stuff film-wise that I'm doing with Rocking Horse Media, which is at rockinghorsemedia.co.uk. And if you're fascinated by age ratings, uh, hop onto bbfc.co.uk and at this point you could search up reduced to Clear and find out what my latest short film has been age rated nice. and see whether my estimations are correct my estimation being PG for infrequent mild language and maybe a mention of mild threat.
0: The gun never goes off, right? No. Oh, spoilers.
1: <laughs> it's fine. Oops. It's, <laughs> it's in the trailer, I think. Uh, but it's probably more spoiler for me to say it never goes off. Right. Um, so my answering that question is a spoiler.
0: It's not a Chekhov gun. No. We can do what's check off next time. Why well, is that mentioned minute four of Groundhog Day? It <laughs> will be later.
1: To be fair, spoilers wise, a lo- we got a lovely review from a film review website yesterday that basically opens with them explaining the entire plot of the film. <laughs> and it's kind of like, do I share this as good publicity, knowing that people will then know what's coming? Including a moment where he's like, my favorite gag from the film is da 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 da. And it's like, oh, <laughs> okay. without a
0: spoiler warning? No. I don't know. I just said the gun doesn't go off, so I'm the same way.
1: Yeah, well, our first public screening is a month tomorrow and then from then on out, I'll just share it to anybody. Have you got a like a final thing you need to say or is that all in person? Uh, yeah,
0: no, I do. Thank you for listening. Minutia X Machina is just one part of an existential trilogy of podcasts. Tune in every Tuesday for more X Machina. Every Wednesday for the Groundhog Day project minute by minute. And every Thursday for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minute. Follow this show on Twitter at Ex Minutia on instagram at minutia underscore x underscore machina or facebook at minutia x machina just look it up you'll find it this has been a production of lemming Drops studio you can find links to more at lemmingdrops.com or join the facebook group lemming Drops studio tour also you can support all my shows at patreon.com slash lemming drops until next time
2: what imperative does a gray box have to interact with another gray box can consciousness exist without interaction The real test is to show you that she's a robot and then see if you still feel she has consciousness.
3: Yeah. However long we spend talking about X machina I might just mark that down on my revision
1: timetable because it is, in a way, since I'm studying it.
0: <laughs> it is. Yeah. I study this one minute extra time.
3: Yeah.
1: If, if if this comes up in the exam, it'd be amazing. <laughs>